When it comes to film financing, I think that that is where all of us filmmakers feel lost. It is one of the most elusive things we try to do. And if we could figure it out and crack the code, we would be making movies nonstop. We're going to try to tackle this the best we can in this episode. We're going to talk about how do you find investors? What are some of the ways you get money for your film? What companies should you know? What do you need to do uh, to get a loan from a bank? What do you need to do to get a bond so you can get the loan for the bank? How can you maximize your tax credits to make your budget needs smaller? There's only so much we can cover in an hour, but we're going to do our best to give you as much as we possibly can. Let's jump in. This is the Working Director Podcast, a show that helps you go from emerging filmmaker to working director. As a filmmaker living in Los Angeles, I've directed over 130 projects, including six distributed feature films, all while helping filmmakers figure out how to level up in their careers. I do this show with one goal in mind, to help you become a working director. And if you want to join us for the live Q&A sessions and ask all of your questions, make sure you join our free private Facebook group by going to theworkingdirector.pro. Let's start with um, finding investors. I think that's always an uh, interest to everybody because no matter what kind of movie you make, if you can find investors, it always makes it a little bit easier to get the movie made and it helps you with getting things started and things like that. So when you're out there looking for investors, a great way to start is to actually make a plan on how you can meet investors because there's lots of different ways to meet investors and there's also lots of different kinds of investors. The easy way to make a plan to meet investors is really to start talking to friends and family. They all know us, you know, want to support us. They're all part of our, you know, our big group in life. Talking to them about what you're working on in your profession, you know, filmmaking and how you do it and, you know, how the process works and then maybe getting them interested in investing in one of your pictures is always a really good way to go because both people know each other and it's a very easy relationship that you can work out. So when you do things with friends and family also, you know, you don't have to necessarily ask for a, a whole lot of money. You know, you can ask for 5,000, 10,000, you know, whatever is reasonable to that person and is reasonable to what you're kind of looking for at the stage you're talking to them. So it's a really good way to go out and get some seed money. It's a good way to get somebody interested in what you're doing from a business standpoint and want to also get involved in a movie, maybe come to the set you know, learn more about the process of making a movie and, you know, supporting you. You know, you're someone that they care about and, you know, they're interested in your success. And this is a way that they can uh, they can do all this. Scott DuPont, he made a point when we talked with him to say, you never prejudge anybody. Because I will tell you, there is friends I have that I'm like, oh, you're giving me a lot of money. How can you give me that money? And it turns out they actually have millions of dollars in some account. You do not know what your friends and family actually have. So don't prejudge anybody. That's a good point. And, and, and that's part of the also like, you know, sort of planning like who you're talking to. And maybe, you know, you sort of arrange the, a similar pitch for all the friends and family because you don't know what they have. So then, I mean, really just warming up to you and wanting to support you is always a really good way to start that conversation. Another interesting way to get access to investors is putting yourself out there in any way you can around people that actually have a lot of money and also are willing to part with their money because they are involved in charities, they're involved in nonprofits, they're involved in all kinds of different uh, activities that they can support because they do have money to give and they are giving people. So tapping into that group of people is a really interesting way to go about a strategy uh, to get investors involved in your productions. Some of the techniques for doing that are 
you know, finding out about charity events that are happening, you know, within your community or within, you know, your sort of uh, network of connections in bigger cities, most likely there's probably more events. So people living in Los Angeles and New York probably have more opportunities to find out about um, charitable events. And when you do, what you, you would do is you would sign up for the event. You'd have to pay the money to be able to go. And then when you're there, you start doing your talking to people about who you are and what you do. No hard sales pitch, but you know, be ready with some sort of pitch to be able to present to people that may be interested in your projects. And then, of course, there's always the festival circuit, which I'm not a fan of, but you've had success doing that. I think festivals are great for filmmakers to meet filmmakers. And you know anybody interested in film is always at a film festival. So those kinds of conversations are great. You never really know who you might run into at a festival. A lot of times, if it's an independent film festival, a lot of those independent features had investors already invest in them. And they will come to the festival and you know they may or may not be looking for other pictures to invest in. But you go to some of the parties and you meet the people that are associated with the movie. And a lot of times you'll run into people that put money into movies. So festivals can be a really good place to find money. Again, um, I think you have to be prepared with some sort of pitch. I think a lot of this is um, when you're meeting investors is you have to develop a, um, a salesman's approach to how you want to do this. You have to become a salesperson. You have to have a pitch. You have to practice your pitch in front of a mirror days and days before you go to these events, before you present yourself at a festival, because you want to be able to get across the message that you want to get across. And if you practice that message, it'll be a lot harder and it'll be more fluid than if you kind of go in cold. So I would say build a plan, look at how you want to approach it, practice it, and be ready to... uh execute and you should have some success. I think one of the other things you talked about that not everybody thinks about is the companies who's making the movies like mine. And if you're finding these companies, who are you speaking to when you go to make friends with them? Well, one of the most important things for all of us in the film business is keeping track of what's going on in the industry. You've got to know what companies are out there making movies. You have to know what kind of movies those companies are making and you have to find ways to build relationships with all of those companies. For me, it's going into Deadline and, and other periodicals and seeing the companies that are financing independent movies. See who's in their movies, who they're making movies with, who's distributing their movies. And sometimes these companies are also financiers and distributors. So that becomes helpful. So knowing the marketplace is a very key component to anything having to do with independent producing. So do your due diligence Make your list of companies and make the list of the people in those companies who you could contact. And if you don't have anybody within the company that you know, find somebody that does and have them make an introduction. But you don't have to meet the president. You can meet anybody in the company and, and you can set up a meeting and you can let them know who you are and they can direct you to somebody that would be interested in what you're doing if they're not the right person. So again, it's being smart putting together your lists. It's making lists of people you want to meet. If you don't know how to meet them, put next to their name, somebody that you know that might know them and use all of those resources that are out there. IMDB Pro is a fantastic research tool for any filmmaker wanting to know who's doing what, 
what they've done before and potentially what they're going to do in the future and everybody that's working at the company. Now, it's not always the most updated version of that. So you, the way to cross-reference that is you know, going to Deadline and looking at older articles in Deadline and using what's in those older articles and sometimes newer articles and compare and contrast the people that are listed in IMDb Pro and in the current articles about the employees at the company that are making the decisions. And you can like make determinations sort of who's still there and who you may know and who you may not know and who you want to get in touch with. But companies have money. And as good as any investor is, being in business with all these different, both domestic and international sales companies and production companies are important for an independent producer. I know you mentioned sales companies. One of the things that Jim told us was, you need to get to know someone from each sales company. <laughs> so it's a lot of work. I think with film financing, like especially those of us who are the creative side, we don't want to do all this work. We just want to go make our movie. But there's so much work that has to be done if you want to get to set, unless you have a financier who just loves you and loves to just throw money at you. I look, I'm still looking for that person. <laughs> so I would love to jump into financing options because there is so many options that you went through with us. And I think not everybody even knows all of these options. Well, let's start from a sort of straightforward approach going to a bank. And there's many banks out there that do entertainment lending. And what they will lend against is a piece of collateral, something that has value. So when you present a bank with the possibility of a loan, they want to see what kind of collateral you have that they can loan against. And most collateral in the independent film world are contracts, contracts for distribution, contracts for distribution in the international territories and the domestic territories. So if you can, if you have a, a script, actor, and a director, and assuming that you're a producer, with those three elements, you can go into any domestic and or international company and you can present your project and see if they're interested in it at that level and then determine if you can generate collateral, meaning you could potentially make pre-sales with that level of talent attached to your project, which you could use to take to a bank. And then, you know, the process of going to a bank is trying to get, you know, two or three different contracts. Potentially on the international side, you can get at least one big territory like a Germany or a UK sale. And on the domestic side, you know, if you can make a US domestic deal with a distributor like Lionsgate or with someone like Saban, you can take that contract to a bank and they will discount that collateral and they'll give you a loan. So it's a fascinating process. There are you know, half a dozen bankers out there that would be willing to talk to you before you have the collateral and when you have the collateral. And you can talk to them about, you know, how they discount potential contracts. For example, you may have a contract in France for $100,000 with a big distributor in France, and they may give you 100% collateral value on on that contract. But in some cases, if you have sales that are in a smaller territory and or not an as well-known distributor, they will discount the contract maybe by 10 or 20%. And your value of that contract when it comes to a loan would be 80% of, of the total value of, of the contract. So again, you know, there's a lot of little things that you need to understand about how it works and how you eventually get to a loan number because between the value of your contracts, some discounting, 
and the interest that the bank has to build into your deal with them will determine how much you actually get from the bank at the end of the day. Because you're never going to get 100% of the value of all your contracts. So let's say you have $300,000 in contracts. You're probably going to get somewhere around you know, 270000 of that. You're not going to get 100% of the value of all your contracts. There's going to be some discounting. There's going to be costs associated with the loan. And you have to know that going in because you, you, know, you have to discount it by 10 or 15% of what your total collateral is for potential costs. So it's again, it's a great way to go if you're able to generate collateral. You know, if any of you want to get a hold of me through Jen and want to have more questions about how banks work, please reach out to Jen. I always tell her that I'm more than willing to talk to anybody. This is complicated. And if you have questions, I'm happy to help you answer them because it'll probably make the process a little bit easier. You mentioned three banks, Western Alliance Bank, Bank of California, East West Bank, because not all banks do these kinds of loans. And I'm assuming that if you're really a serious filmmaker and you have contracts, you could call one of these banks and set up a meeting and ask what they need and what you should be doing to get ready for that. One of the best things that I learned about these bank loans from Jim is that we are not personally responsible for them. So if you know you have to get a bond, right, Jim? You have to get the bond to, before you can get the bank loan. There are other things attached to a bank loan that you need to get if you're going to end up borrowing money from a bank. One of them is a completion bond. Basically, a completion bond is an insurance policy that the movie's going to get finished and that the elements the distributor requires in order to pay under that contract are completed. So when those elements are delivered to the French distributor for that contract for $100,000, he then pays the $100,000. So the bond company is the intermediary between the production and the bank to assure the bank that the production is going to get completed and the delivery requirements for each contract or each territory that's sold is delivered to that company so they can then pay the money to the bank. But the banks, as a relationship thing real fast, um, just like you're doing research on your production companies and different people that you want to be in business with on the domestic and international side, you should put a list of banks that you want to meet and the people at those banks. And if you don't know them, you should find somebody that does know them and make the introduction. Because knowing bankers is a good thing for all filming. And then on the bond company, you said that they charge 2% of the budget. I'm assuming that's up front for the bond company? Yeah. Their bond fee is in the budget. It's in the 2% range. And when all the paperwork closes, when you close your bank loan, when you close your bond as part of the budget, that money will get paid at the completion of all those things. So they all kind of happen at the same time. It's not like you a bond comes in, you pay them 2% of your budget, they start working. They will start working with you and with the bank, knowing that the loan is going to close. And when it does, they'll get paid. The bank will release the money and everybody will have what they want. Jim, actually, I wrote in quotes, the bond company is your friend. <laughs> so obviously there's a lot, you know, getting a bank, getting your bond, there's a lot to that. But let's move on into equity investors. That's sort of the starting point for most of us filmmakers is going to try to get equity investors. There were some things that you talked about. One of them was the tax 181. And then, of course, that will also lead into tax incentives. Do you have any more thoughts on equity investors and what exactly, you know, how their contracts are laid out, what their return should be, things like that? Equity investors are really good at the very beginning when you need a little bit of money to get going. You know, for example, if you're a producer and you want to option the script, you can find somebody that will put up $10,000 that allows you to option the script for 18 months. 
and then you have 18 months to put that movie together. That's a really good time to use to use your equity investors. Other times to use your equity investors is also when you have certain pieces of the movie put together. For example, if we go to a state like North Carolina and we get a state incentive and we fill out the application with the state and based on our analysis of how much money we're going to spend in that state, we can generate what kind of tax credit we're going to get from that state. And um, in the independent world, what we should look at within a tax incentive is trying to net 20% of your budget, which means you probably have to go to a state that gives an incentive of at least 30% because you're not going to get your entire budget spent in the state for costs that qualify for the tax credit. So go to a state that has 30%. Look at states that also qualify employees that come from out of state. So if you want to bring someone from New York, California, Nashville, Colorado, whatever your crew is, into a state that you want to use for an incentive, you want to make sure that state's going to qualify that person's salary as part of their incentive. The other thing which is important and dependent on your budget level, what you want is you want the state that will qualify your above-the-line costs, specifically your director, your actor, and your producer fees. If all those fees can be incorporated in the acceptable cost for that state incentive, you're going to bump up your incentive because that's where a lot of the money is coming from. So look for states that will approve all your above-the-line costs, especially with actors. A lot of time with actors, they'll cap the amount. Like in North Carolina, they have a 30% credit and they cap the actor cost, the amount of actor fee that they will accept at a million dollars. So be selective, look at the different states, but see if you can get 20% of your total budget at the rate that you can get for the tax incentive from that state. And then if you go to an investor at that point, for example, and say, hey, we're going to shoot our movie in North Carolina and we already have 20% of our budget. So if this person was going to come in and finance 100% of the movie, then now they're only financing 80% of the movie. So it's a good tool you can use to help your investor make him feel like you're on top of the process. You've already got 20% of your budget and potentially you only need 80% more. One other thing that is enticing to investors that everybody perked up about was the tax credit 181. Do you want to briefly explain that? So the federal government has a tax called US 181 specifically for motion picture and motion picture investors. Um, And I want to read you the language from the tax 181 because I want to make sure everyone has a clear idea of what it says. And this is what's on the internet for 181. And this is part of the law. So it says investors may elect to deduct any production costs they pay or incur up to $15 million as a deductible expense for that tax year such costs were paid in a qualified film. So for example, if you had an investor that wanted to invest in your movie this year because they had gains that they wanted to offset, if they put in $100,000 in your movie, they could use that $100,000 as an offset to the amount of money they're going to pay in 2023. You have to spend that money on your movie in that year. So if you've got it this year, you have to spend it this year in order for them to get the write-off this year. If they gave you the money this year, but you didn't spend it until 2024, they wouldn't get the write-off until their 2024 taxes. So the year that you they give it to you and the year that you use it is the year that they get the write-off. 
sorry, it's not the year that they give it to you. They can give it to you in 2023 and you can use it in 24 and they get the write-off in 24. But I think for most people, if most investors, if they realize that they're going to have a big tax year, and a lot of times they'll realize that maybe halfway through the year, that's when they know that they want to need a write-off. So if they gave you $100,000 in June of 2023 and you spent it in between June and December of 23, they would have that write-off for 23. So just to finish the language, so a qualified film or TV production is one in which at least 75% of the compensation is paid to actors, production personnel, directors, producers for series and movies in the US. So you're going to pay labor costs on your actors and your production personnel and your directors. So spending 75% is not going to be a problem. So the spend factor of um, US 181 um, falls right into what we do as filmmakers. The process may be to check with them and their accountants to see when they make the investment, if they will be able to get the 100% write-off for the investment. Just They should double-check with all of their people to make sure it works, but there is a law in place, US 181, for investors to invest and get a full write-off for their investment. Next option you had was domestic distribution. Domestic distribution is an important part of the uh, distribution pie. There's two kinds of di distribution. There's domestic distribution, which is the US, sometimes US and Canada. Then there's international distribution. So those are the rights that you can sell. The US distributors, you know, are, can be a streamer. It can be someone that's just in the theatrical business. You know, some examples are Lionsgate, are Saban, are Neon. I mean, there's a lot of domestic distributors that are be interested in your movie, assuming that they like the script, they like the director, they like the cast. And if you are able to get them interested in your movie before you start, getting a contract with any of those guys would allow you to take that to a bank. You know, we get into the bank, all the banks will loan against a domestic contract in most cases, unless it's a small company that they're not sure about. And if, if they could, they would want to loan as much against it as they could. They might have to discount it a little bit, but at the end of the day, they would most likely be able to give you a loan against that contract if you were able to get one. Lionsgate does a lot of these kinds of deals where they will put up money for the domestic rights just in a contract. And they make the producer go to a bank and get a loan. Lionsgate doesn't want it in the process of your finance plan. They're happy to give you a contract and then they rely on you as the producer to have the ability to take that contract to a bank complete your finance plan, which will enable you to make the movie, which will enable you to deliver it to Lionsgate and meet the obligations under that contract. So a lot of distributors are like that. They will give you a contract. When the movie's finished, they will give you the money. So those are great deals if you can get into them because you can go to a bank and you can discount that contract and use it for production. So again, if you can get a Saban, a Lionsgate, a Neon, to like your movie and give you a contract ahead of time, you can turn that into money for your production and it's a great way to get your movie financed. So a lot of people obviously use sales agents to connect them to distributors. The question is, how do people find a good sales agent or know they have a trustworthy sales agent? And how do producers reps come into play in all of this? I mean, for producers who are out there making independent movies, Knowing a sales agent that you can start a relationship with is really important, but also knowing all the different sales agents out there. They can all service your movies in different ways. 
Some sales agents are really good at certain kinds of movies and other sales agents are good at other kinds of movies. So as a producer and as an independent producer, go out and meet all of these guys. The American film market is coming to Santa Monica in the first week of November. And anybody that works in this area should be there go, during the day, meeting people as much as they can. And in the evenings, there's all kinds of different events. Some of them you have to be invited to, some of them you don't. But find a way to get into the events. It's a cheap way to make a lot of contacts in a short amount of time. There'll be a lot of people in Santa Monica. All the distributors will be there. All the heads of all of those companies will be there. You know, they're all doing business and they're going to be busy. But at the same time, they go to parties at night. They're out. They're around. It's a really good time to meet people. So I would suggest anybody wants to work an independent film, go to the AFM, get there, you know, be there three or four days if you can. Um, you don't always have to buy a badge for the day. Um, in some cases, you can buy a badge for one day and maybe another day you don't need to get it because the badges can get expensive. But you know, see what works for you. But they'll all be there, you know, in the evenings when people are, you know, not worried about all the meetings they have during the day and they're at an event. Those are the best times to meet everybody because they're out and about. They're having a little relaxing time and meeting them is a lot easier. And then follow up after the film market with everybody and make sure you're getting out of what those people that you met, what you need and see if they know somebody or they can help you some way. It's a great way to meet people. And I would recommend, especially in the international space for independent filmmaking, being in Santa Monica during the American film market is a really important thing to do. Listen, it gets a little frustrating if you don't have a project or you don't have a film that's getting made or someone's not selling your film. That's okay. You're just, if you go down there, you're going to meet somebody no matter what, by accident or however. And it potentially could be really beneficial to you. So, you know, just go in with a good attitude, be there because you want to be there. And I promise you, you'll meet some people that will help you in the future. Have you worked with producers, reps before? I've always had a bad experience with them. I've actually had bad experience with sales agents as well. But uh, what are your thoughts on using a producer's rep to help you get all this done? I think producers, reps, like the representatives from the, the independent finance groups at the agencies, they can be very beneficial. Separate, independent. I mean, in, in a way, a sales agent is kind of a rep for your movie because they're really selling it to a third party. So all of these guys are good to know. If you don't need them today, you might need them tomorrow. But their job is to take a movie and find the best deal for it. So there's nothing about any of that process that's not good for the independent filmmaker. So knowing any of the reps at any of the agencies that represent these movies to the domestic marketplace is something that would be good for everybody to know. Again, if you don't know them, figure out a way to get to know them and make sure they know you and follow up and become friendly with them. The other thing is when you know these people, there's all kinds of information that they have about the marketplace that we may not know about. So they're an amazing source of information. You can learn a lot from the information that they have in order to help you with certain movies you're kind of you're trying to make and or distribution on your project. So again, knowing what these guys do, finding a way to meet them and, you know, becoming friendly with them and finding ways to work with them is 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 really positive. One thing that you mentioned as well as another producer on the producer's lab mentioned was having sales agent 
friends because you need to know who is selling overseas, how is your genre doing, how much money can you expect to make? These are things that they will know as it changes constantly. Having a, great, a good sales company and a, and, rep, and, a, and knowing other sales agents is something really valuable because they all do the same thing. They take a movie and they sell it to the international markets. They go after the big markets, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, the UK, and they got to sell the smaller markets because all of it comes up to the total. So getting the big territories done and the small territories done is important. And they can help you value your movie. If you're not sure how much you should make the movie for, in the early stages, you go to a sales agent and you say, I've got this director, here's my script and the genre, and here's a cast member I have. With those three elements, how much money can you sell this movie for in the international marketplace? And you can start getting an idea for what the value is of your movie. If it turns out the value of your movie is $3 million and you want to make it for $5 million, you got to reconfigure your budget because it's not going to work. They can be very helpful for you to understand what the value of your movie is and that's how much you should make it for. It's important that you don't try and make a movie for more money than what the value is. And sometimes we get surprised at what the value really is because if you think the value is a lot more and it turns out to be a lot less, you don't want to necessarily be surprised. You want to get the information, you want to be aware of it, and you want to be able to plan accordingly. So a finance plan is, you know, after you have your script and after you have a director and, and maybe probably before you have your cast, you want to start looking at how you think the movie's going to get made. So, you know, again, we look at distribution. We look at how much the value is for the domestic rights. How much are the, is the value for the international rights? And a lot of that's going to be contingent on cast. But what you can do is you can say, based on this level of actor, how much is this movie going to be worth? And you can start you know, balancing it out and, and figuring out how much that movie is going to be worth. And when you know how much it's worth, then you can start planning all the other parts of it. For example, you can start looking at, if you have that amount of money available to you, you can start actually looking into making offers for cast. That's a way to really push forward the process. Figuring out the finance plan itself. How much in sales do I have to do in order to get to a certain number in order to satisfy my finance plan? So if we looked at a finance plan that included a tax credit for roughly 20% of your budget, then you're only looking for 80% of your budget beyond that. Again, so we have a finance plan and we're trying to get 100% of the budget. 20% is a tax credit based on where you shoot. The next thing is sales, right? We're trying to, we, we want to go to a bank and we want to collateralize all these things. So we need to make some sales in order for the bank to give us a loan. The loan amount will be part of our finance plan. So we would, again, based on our script, based on our actor, and based on the director, the sales company can give us estimates of what the total value of the picture is and what they think they can sell right now, which is a big thing for you. So if, for example, they estimate that the total amount of sales is going to be $2 million and they say, we can sell a million dollars today, that's a big amount of money toward your finance plan. If you discount that at roughly 10% for the sales agency fees, if you sell a million dollars worth of contracts and you discount that by 10%, that's $900,000 that you can use toward your budget. If your budget's $2 million, that's almost 50% of your budget. So you're looking at roughly 45% of your budget plus 
you know, the 20% from the state incentives, all of a sudden you're at 65% of your budget. You know, you can then go to an investor or you can look at other ways to come up with the balance of your finance plan by knowing you've got a state incentive and you have some sales. Now, another way to look at that, when you have that million dollars worth of sales and they estimated that there's $2 million in sales, you still have a million dollars that's unsold. Those unsold territories could go to an investor and you could say to the investor, you give me the balance of the budget of the movie and I will assign these international countries to your money. So when these deals are made, that money will go directly to you to pay for any money that you invest in the movie. So it's a great way to show an investor exactly how he's going to get his money back. That's where the value of an international sales agent can come in handy for the independent producer. A, they can make a million dollars in sales potentially. And B, there's a whole list of unsold territories that have an estimated value. And that estimated value can be shown to an investor. And let's say the estimated value is a half a million dollars. You can say to the investor, let's discount that by 20% and have you invest that amount to make sure those contracts you're assigning to him are going to be enough to cover his investment. So these are all little things that you're constantly moving around as part of your finance plan in order to be able to get to 100% of your budget. You mentioned you said the last 30% is always the hardest. And beyond investors, you mentioned potentially product placement deals, producers taking pay cuts. Are there any other things that we may not have covered that people are maybe not thinking about to get money? Most movies, if, you, if you're doing it properly, you probably can get to somewhere between 60 and 80% of your budget through all of this, through going to different states, getting a potential bank loan, massaging your budget based on being able to reduce it a little bit of all the little things you have to do to, to get to the finish line. Beyond that, the, you know, there are other ways, mostly, you know, getting investors involved is, is the easiest, you know, or going to an outside firm that will take the collateral that you have and they'll give you 100% knowing you still have unsold territories. Again, your international sales agent becomes a very important tool because Besides the sales that they have made, those unsold territories are actually going to turn into collateral in the future. And it's the easiest way to show somebody what potentially is still available as an asset to the movie. So you're not just selling something that you may be able to you know, get a big distribution deal when the movie's finished. You don't need that to be able to pay back somebody. You can use unsold territories as a tool to help you either get a finance company that will come in and take all of your estate incentive, all the sales you have, all your unsold territories, and give you 100% of your budget. And then they will be they will find a way to cover their costs. But there are companies like Bondit that are out there that will look at those kinds of deals. And if they work for them, they'll come in and finance 100% of your movie. So again, it's, it's massaging that finance plan and finding the best place for it and for your film and figuring out how to do it and also keep all the fees and everything in the budget to make sure you don't hurt your production value. So how does the loan get paid back if we hit the market and we don't make enough money? Well, the bank is only loaning against contracts that are signed and they know the exact terms of that contract. 
So if you make a deal, for example, with France, France will say, we'll pay you $100,000 upon certain things that happen, right? And they'll lay it out in the contract. One of the things that the bank requires from the international distributors is they all have to put up a deposit. So they usually are required to put up a 20% deposit. So they will put up a 20% deposit, which potentially the bank holds onto and or it actually can be used for the production. So in a way, the bank, it's helping the producer because when all the paperwork closes, the producer can use the deposits toward the production. So the 100%, the $100,000 contract, 20% to deposit, 80% of the, of the 100 will be paid when the movie's finished. And there's a contractual obligation between that distributor and the bank. And that's what makes it work for the bank. There's no question about what's going to be sold. The bank's not loaning against something that doesn't have a contract. So the only way to get a bank loan is secured collateral, which means there's a contract in place for the distribution rights. The bank will also loan against your tax credit. So if you go to North Carolina and you get your tax credit approved in that state and you come up with a number that tax credit's going to generate, the bank will loan against that number. Banks loan against tax credits all the time. So it's another piece of collateral. So you don't have to worry about something not happening as part of your bank loan. The bank is only going to loan against agreements that are completed. They're only taking credit risk on those distributors because if they end up going bankrupt or they can't pay, that's the risk the bank is taking. But the other side of it is the bank has done its due diligence. It trusts this distribution company to pay so they are able to loan against it. How do you raise the capital to pay for development? Like if you want to pay a writer to write the script? I would say um, family and friends on a something like a script development situation is the easiest because listen, these, these people have known you forever. They trust you. They believe in what you're pursuing. I would try and make a deal where it didn't cost a lot of money to get the script written. There's a lot of writers out there that are very talented that will work or a competitive rate. You know, I'd be careful how much you pay them. If you can get a script done for five or $10,000, that's great. A lot of times scripts are going to get rewritten anyways down the road, but you know, get, get your hundred pages done, you know, have the ability to get a rewrite as part of that. And then, you know, you'll have a piece of material that you can start using. Good reps and sales agents. How do you spot the bad ones? Well, I mean, there's lots of ways. You don't necessarily spot them, but you can do your due diligence and look at other movies that they've represented. And you can talk to the producers of those movies and find out what happened with that sales agent based on what they told you. Did they deliver what they say they were going to do? Did they not deliver? Were they difficult to deal with? Talking about talking to other filmmakers who have had experiences with distribution companies is a great way to get information and they will all be honest and they'll all tell you the truth about their sales agent. And if it was a good experience, you're going to hear about it. If it was a bad experience, you're going to hear about it. So the due diligence with the filmmakers that are working with those companies is the best way to get information about them. Where do agencies, CAA, WME, et cetera, come into play? Well, they come into play in potentially many ways. One is, you know, you may have a director that's represented by CAA who likes your project. Listen, that's great because that agent will help you with the CAA clients if potentially putting them an actor in your movie because they want to help their director client. So that's always a good way to get help from the agency. 
Also, you know, all of these agencies have what they call independent film groups. And the independent film groups will represent as a sales rep the U.S. rights to the movie. They usually charge 5% of what they sell the movie for. They know everybody and they can get your movie seen by everybody and they can help you make a domestic deal when the movie's completed. Are there film-friendly banks we should be building relationships with? All the banks that do entertainment lending are film-friendly. All the bankers are very approachable. They're all very nice people. They have worked in the independent space for many years. They all have a lot of experience. And they'll also be honest with you. They'll say, I can do this or I can't do this. The ones that we mentioned before, I know are actively doing independent movies. Melanie Krinsky at Western Alliance Bank is very active. Adrian at Bank of California and East West Bank. I can't remember um, the guy's name, but East West Bank is also um, very active in the independent space. So there's three banks right there. And I guarantee you, you go down to AFM and you'll be talking to people who are potentially other banks. You know, there's lots of opportunities to be bankers. They're all want to talk. They all want to do loans. So meet a couple of them and start a relationship with them and be in touch with them because they can be a very helpful resource. Also, while I'm thinking about it, it goes to tax incentives. Everyone, Rap Book just put out a tax incentive finder. So it's free. So if you go to Rap Book, just I guess Google Rap Book tax incentive finder, and it's a tool that's going to help you a lot when you're looking for which state has what you need. Jim, what would you say is the biggest thing, especially newer producers who are trying to raise their first million or so, they don't do that they should be doing or that you've seen them, you wish they would do better or you've seen them do wrong? Anything come to mind? You know, I've directed six feature films. I've produced and directed over 200 projects. I've never raised this kind of money. I've never raised a million, two million and beyond. What would you tell me in this instance where it's like, okay, you know what the hell you're doing, but you don't fully understand how to, everything you've given us is great. Meet sales agents, learn all that stuff. I guess my question is more like, what's the advice for me so I don't muck it up? In your case, what I would do is I would focus on my strengths. In your case, you're a director. You know how to direct these movies. So as a director, you shouldn't necessarily be out there raising money. You should find a partner that's really good at this kind of stuff, who believes in you as a director and can go out and do some of the heavy lifting on the business side so you can be able to focus on the creative side because not everybody can do every single job. So if you're good at something, be really, really good at that. And then you find somebody that's really, really good at something that you're not good at. I think that's all of our, our dreams as directors. It's not necessarily <laughs> reality because let's face it, most producers already have their own projects, right? They're already out there doing it for whatever reason, or they have, they're going after directors who actually have, you know, our names. I'm very lucky. I do have a few people in, on my team who, for whatever reason, believe in me and back me and want to be a part of this, but even they are still newer maybe haven't raised in the millions of dollars. So it sounds like maybe the best advice is then we need to just find someone who's, even if it's a mentor type, to ask those questions as we go along. That might be... The other part of it is I would also look at the kind of products you want to make and focus on the ones that are makeable. Do you know what I mean? Like, can I adjust this budget and still make the same movie I want? What is it about this that I could actually be able to start this movie this year? Like, what are the two things I need to do to get that process going? You know, really focus on things that you can definitely accomplish and then pinpoint the things you can't accomplish and find out a way to get those things done. 
and maybe change your expectations or move on to another project to do that one the next year. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of give and take. You know, how many people have stories where it's taken them two or three years to get their things made? Oh, yeah. Our last feature was like a seven year in the making and we made it for near, not near enough money. And you know what I say to people? I say, look at how much you need to make a movie. When people say, I need a million dollars to make my movie, I said, okay, what is it about your movie that costs a million dollars? Be creative. Maybe you can make it for less. Find a way to get it made. Find a way to get it in the can and then find money for post-production. I mean, again, you as filmmakers and you as producers and directors, you have to be creative on your own projects to do everything you can to make the project's process as simple as you can without making it too complicated so it never happens. You've got to find ways to make it happen rather than find ways where it doesn't happen. And again, this is not an easy process. All of us are doing things that are very, very difficult, that are time consuming, that you need other people involved in. You know, it's it's complicated, but try and simplify it. Look for the things that you're good at, again, and make them as simple as you can. I believe all filmmakers should start making movies for the amount of money that they have. $100,000, $500,000, it doesn't matter. Make the movie. Then make the next one. And maybe that's a little bit more. Maybe it has to be a little bit less. But just keep making them. Because then the boundaries stop. You're not making, I don't have enough money to make my movie a boundary. That's gone away. Get rid of the boundaries and just do what you can with what you have. And you know what's going to happen? After you do enough of these, people are going to start throwing more money at you because you're really good at what you do. I think a lot of filmmakers or people in general are guilty of perfectionism. They're waiting for the right moment, the right time, the right amount, the right person, the right. And I'm a big advocate of like, I don't wait, which has probably also been a problem in my career. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't care. We're just going to make it. But I do agree with you that like you got to get out and make it because what are you going to do? Wait another five years for that perfect circumstance? I'm not. I get tired of waiting. I'm too antsy for that. Find ways it's going to get it made versus ways that it's going to prevent you from making it. I'm working on teaching a class on micro budget movies, how to get your movie made for a couple hundred thousand dollars and how you sell it. So then you can use that money to make another movie and make a little bit bigger movie and use that as a way to keep making stuff. Keep making material. I wish I had known you before we made our last movie just so that we would have potentially made a profit on it because we only made it for 65K and we're still in the hole, which is ridiculous. On that note, I want to encourage filmmakers who are listening to reach out because Jim's doing classes that are an all day thing. So you're not like, right, we're rushing to give you as much info as we can in an hour. You're going to get the day with him and you can ask him more questions specific to your project and really learn how to make money on your movies. And they're, he's not charging near enough. So do it while before he starts realizing that and charges you more. Thank you for including me. And, you know, I'm again, happy to talk to anybody that ha needs any advice. I know this could be a very slippery slope out there and you don't always know who you can trust. Please feel free to reach out to me. And if any of you want to sign up for the course, that would be great. We go through contracts, we get into a lot of detail that, you know, as you move on in the business, can be very helpful to you as far as, you know, feeling like you can do this. And this is what I tell everybody in my class. Everybody can do this. There's no magic syrup that you need to take in order to make it happen. All of you guys can do this. It's all there for you to do. The systems have been set up. Using SAG as a way to help you make your movie, they've set it up in different tiers 
where you can use SAG actors even if you only have $300,000. So the industry has been set up to help people make their movie, not to make it more difficult for you. Even though we do feel like everyone is trying to make it more difficult for us. <laughs> Looking at you, film permit office. <laughs> I mean, listen, th these guys have their processes, but at the end of the day, it's really set up to where there is a, no place else in the world is it as easy to make a movie as it is in the United States with the level of talent that is out there because of the mechanisms that people have put in place. So it's, it's a way to, to use that as a energy, as a way to say, I can make this happen for myself rather than to feel like everyone's against me. The permit office is going to give you the permit. It's probably going to cost you a little bit more because they're just a pain in the neck. At the end of the day, it's going to work. Thanks for listening to the Working Director Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and review as it helps others find the show and helps us keep making great content for you. And if you want even more help with your directing career, check out theworkingdirector.pro where you can apply to be part of the accelerator that hones in on where you currently are and helps you get to where you want to be. Whether it's this podcast, the accelerator, or our free Facebook community for directors, we're here to help you get to work.